0: Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, Heart and Soul. In this series, we learn that as the body of Christ, we are united around one message, bound by something greater than ourselves. We are the sum total of our gifts. We serve the same Lord, and we are moving with a common purpose. Good morning. How's everybody doing? You're ready to go? All right. Glad you are here. First time here, man. Welcome. Glad you're here and, and chose to worship with us. Uh, maybe have some parents in town for the ball game and all the activities this weekend. Glad to have you. And uh, um, just, just praying that God continues to move in people's hearts as we continue this series um, called Heart and Soul. Um, excited about what God's doing. Uh, man, had 28 people sign up last week to serve in the kids area. That's awesome. That is awesome. And so thank you. Thank you for doing that. We want to minister to these kids and love on them. Thank you for stepping up. And, and listen, if you want to step up and serve in that area still, go see our, our folks at Next Steps. Let them know that you want to serve in that area. Um, you want to serve somewhere else, come on, man, and, and join us, man. It is a lot of fun. We're having a blast seeing what God's doing. And so we want to invite you to be a part of that. Um, as we continue to look at this series, um, heart and soul is what we call the members here of Connection Church who decided to make Connection Church their home. It uh, it basically means that, that we're united around one message, the gospel, that we're bound together by something bigger than ourselves, the Holy Spirit. Listen, that, that uh, we're the sum total of our parts and our giftings, not about one person, but about the body of Christ, that we're united around a, a common purpose a mission of connecting unbelievers to God and believers to each other that's what it is to be heart and soul it's awesome to know that you have people who have your back every morning before I I preach I go back there and and members of our prayer team they pray for me And, and they usually pray one of them at least will say let him know that uh that we've got his back and that's huge man when you come out here and you're talking about the gospel and, and, and saying what God puts on your heart, it's awesome to know that there are people who have your back and that we're united in this thing together to see God do something incredible that only he could do. My, my heart is that by the time I'm done with this, when I'm 100, 110 years old, something like that, that, that we look back and we see something that we could not have done on our own. Listen, man, something that, that people look at and go, only God could do that. And that's my heart. That's my prayer for us. And as we're heart and soul, as we continue to move in that direction together, I truly believe that God's going to do incredible work in and through our lives. Um, We're going to continue looking at this and answering the question of how do we live this life as diverse and multifaceted as, as the church is, as diverse as we are as people? How do we get to this place of being heart and soul? Last week, we looked at one of the most important aspects of that, which is the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how the Spirit of God empowers us to live this life. Today, I want us to look at what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. So many times in the church, we get confused about what it means to pursue and follow Christ. And we settle for this Religious activity, this, this even workspace mentality of I have to do X, Y, and Z if I want to be right with God. And God made it really simple. And my prayer is today that when you walk out of here, you're not walking in the bondage of religion and the trap of religion, but that you're walking in the freedom of Christ, passionately pursuing the God who gave it all so that you can know Him. Amen. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. If you want to turn there, Matthew, Mark, Luke is the third gospel. We're going to be reading, beginning in verse 17. This is one of the verses that the Lord put on my heart when we began to start this church um, almost four years ago. That's hard to believe. In some ways, it seems like it was four days ago. In some other ways, it seems like it was four decades ago. You know what I'm saying? But the reality is, it's almost four years ago, and this is one of the scriptures that the Lord put in my heart, and I'm really praying that today, that God shows us what it means to pursue him and we can break free of this trap of religion luke chapter 10 verse 17 jesus is sending out seven the 72 disciples you just a little bit of background jesus has made up his mind at this point that he's heading to jerusalem he's going to jerusalem where he knows i'm going to die he begins to tell the disciples this and now he's sending them out ahead of him to the places he's going to go. And he sends out 72 disciples with instructions of proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the fact that the kingdom of God is near. And they go out and they begin to preach and they begin to minister. And as you'll see to me, they begin to cast out demons. They're healing sick. All these amazing things are happening. And they come back. And this is where we find them in verse 17. It says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. All right, let's stop right there. That is worth it right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hate snakes. If you don't hate snakes, you probably hate spiders. Scorpions are close enough to spiders. To give us authority over snakes and scorpions and spiders, that is a good guy. The only good snake is a dead snake. You are like, no, I like snakes. You're weird. (laughs) Snakes, why do you think... The, dev, the devil was in the form of a serpent in the garden. Snakes are bad, period. <laughs> all right. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, And through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Let's pray, Lord. God, I do pray that every wall of religion would be broken down today, that we could see the simplicity and the purity and the beauty of your gospel that we would attempt to add nothing to it that we would simply boast in christ and his work on the cross god fill us with passion and compassion fill us with fire to pursue you lord let your holy spirit have its incredible work in our hearts and in our lives today that we would leave this place changed and different forever because we are pursuing you in jesus name amen amen I would imagine that every person in here today, there is one thing, at least one thing that really gets your heart pumping, right? Something that gets you excited. Like Georgia Southern won yesterday, right? It's awesome. Bulldogs won yesterday, right? Tech. You know what I'm saying? Sorry. We still love the Yellow Jackets, only because they're from Georgia. Um, But... But you have that one thing in your life, maybe it's hunting, maybe it's fishing, maybe it's shoes, maybe it's clothes. I don't know what that one thing is. Maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your dog. I don't know what that one thing is, but there's something in your life that gets your heart beating, that makes your eyes get a little bit wider, that gets the juices flowing. You know what I'm saying? Anybody in here like that? There's something in your life. It just, man, it just exhilarates you. It gets you going. And the other day is a couple of Saturdays ago. um, Both of our boys had football games. Love football, love sports. And uh, Dake, my oldest, played at nine. Jackson, my my middle son, who's six, played at 11. Um, Before I tell you this story, I kind of need to set it up. Dake and Jackson are kind of like Esau and Jacob. All right. Anybody familiar with the story of Esau and Jacob? Like Esau, the Bible says that Esau was an outdoorsman. He was skilled in hunting. He was, a, he was an outdoor kind of guy. If he drove a, drove a vehicle, it would be a four wheel drive truck, right? That's who he was. That's kind of like Dake. The Bible also says that Esau was red and hairy. We're praying that that part of Esau does not take over Dake's life. But he loves the outdoor, he loves those kind of things. Jacob, on the other hand, It says that he liked to be around the tents. He he was kind of more of the the mama's boy, so to speak. He kind of liked to do other things. Um, Jacob was, was, he probably drove a Prius, right? I mean, I, I mean that with no hate. I'm just saying probably Joe a Prius and, and so there was a difference Jackson would be more like our Jacob he he, he kind of he likes to do arts and, and crafts he likes music and things and and at the ball games a couple of weeks ago um played his game we went over to watch Jackson they hand that they actually gave the ball to Jackson one time near the goal line Jackson gets the ball he's running like I don't he didn't even look like he knew for sure if he wanted to run but he's running with the ball and he stops like two yards short of the goal line I'm like, no, another kid runs into him from behind, knocks him into the end zone. Touchdown. I was like, my Jacob has scored a touchdown. It's like, praise God. And so Jackson gets up, no, you know, no emotion about it or anything. I go up to him after the game. I'm like, Jackson, that was a great touchdown, buddy. I gave him a high five. He looks at me completely confused and he goes, I scored a touchdown. And I was like, yeah, you scored a touchdown. He, he said, you mean when that guy knocked me down, I scored a touchdown? I was like, yeah, you scored a touchdown. Never brought it up again. That was the end of it. It was done. Never brought it up again. Over. Later that afternoon, he, he gets out his guitar. He actually gets out all four of his guitars. And literally for three or four hours, he's walking around the house playing his guitar. Just think, he even wrote a song. I got it on my phone. I would show it to you, but he'd probably kill me and he wrote this song and he's singing it and all afternoon he's trying to get the words right and he's trying to sing it right and finally we were grilling outside and and he, he finally sings it right and his eyes got big it was that moment you know what i'm talking about the one where you kind of have that about something he, he had that moment where his eyes got big you could tell his heart was beating fast and he goes daddy i did it it's like what he's like i sang it right and like he starts taking victory laps around the house singing the song It was at that moment that I realized I may have a worship leader, not a quarterback. So we want to maximize the potential of our children. So we went out, we got him skinny jeans. We got him, (laughs) we got him some V-necks. We got him a scarf. We got him a funny hat. I I mean, we're good parents. We want to maximize his potential. We started to even go for the U-neck, you know what I'm saying? Like almost down to the belly button. But like that was a little extreme, only six. But but we want to yeah but here's the thing, and I can tell you like I don't care if they play football, I don't care if they're in the band, I love sports, I love music. I'm not even good at music. I can't help him there, right? But but I love them both. But 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 one gets excited about football, one gets excited about music. I like both of them. I don't care what they do. But the thing that I want them to realize at some point in their life is that none of that is gonna satisfy them permanently. Just like football, just like shoes, just like um, hunting, just like fishing, just like shopping, just like clothes—it never seems to satisfy us permanently, does it? Like you can go shopping, ladies, and once you've been and you've bought all the stuff that you had on your list that day, or that you really wanted, or that you just happened to see and it was a really good deal, so you got it. Once you got it all, you, you didn't come home and go, "Well, I never need to do that again. I am—I'm cured." My desire for shopping is done. Same thing, hunting. You go out, you kill a deer. Poor deer munching on leaves. Been feeding it corn. Comes up to get some corn. <laughs> <laughs> you shoot him. It's awesome. I gotta admit, it's awesome. But <laughs> but you never go like, man, I'm done. I, I don't have to do that anymore because the reality of it is, guys, listen, that those things can't satisfy us for very long they're things that get our our heart beating fast they're things that make our eyes get a little bit bigger and we get excited and the funny thing is as we read this in Luke chapter 10 verse 17 the reality of it is that's what the disciples were doing they had gone out on this mission trip right they went out on a mission trip they come back they've been preparing the way for Jesus to go as he's going to Jerusalem to preach the coming of the kingdom and they come back their eyes are big their hearts pumping and they're like Jesus even the demons obey us it is awesome It'd be pretty cool if demons obeyed you, wouldn't it? I mean, some of us just want our kids to obey, much less demons. Sometimes we think they have demons, but it'd be awesome. And, And so they come back and they're pumped and they've seen this, this manifestation of the power of God. And they're so excited and they're so pumped up, but Jesus looks at them and he says, listen, guys, understand this. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That'd be pretty cool talking about fireworks I saw him fall from heaven I've given you authority over snakes and scorpions I've given you in other words I've given you authority over all kinds of evil everything in the world that is evil I've given you authority but listen to me guys do not rejoice that the demons obey you but rejoice in the fact that your name is written in heaven what's he telling us he's saying listen Not even demons obeying you, not even the best football game, not even the best shoes, not even a shopping spree is going to satisfy you eternally. What he was saying is, Peter, when you're on a cross and you're hanging upside down because of your proclamation of the gospel, understand that demons obeying you is not going to sustain you. The only thing that is going to sustain you in the long run and in the long term is the joy of your salvation. That's it. That's it. The only thing that is going to satisfy you is the joy of your salvation. When the Lord put the scripture on my heart, started in the church. He spoke to my heart. He spoke to me very clearly. And he said, understand this. If you find your joy in the ministry, it will be forever an emotional roller coaster that you ride from the day you start to the day you end. But if you will find your joy in me and in your salvation, then you can go on the most incredible journey of your life. Let's be real honest before we get started into this thing. Listen. I struggle with that at times. I'm not perfect at this. There's times when I, like everybody else, fall into this trap of religion where my Bible reading becomes because I've got to, where my prayer life becomes because I've got to, or it becomes superstitious where if I pray enough, maybe bad things won't happen. Or then my connect group attendance becomes just just something I have to do, which by the way, we do have the best connect group ever in the history of Connection Church. Sorry, all you other people in connect ours is the best. We're cooking steaks tonight, take that. That's all I got to say. Take that. And so, but it, it, it's awesome. But you know, you can fall into this rut or this trap of religion. And, and I think the greatest thing that hinders the church today is this trap of religion that we get away from pursuing Jesus to trying to do all these things, literally giving up the presence and power of God for a form of godliness that only leads to frustration. But this is what I know, that the church of Jesus Christ is beautiful. It is beautiful beautiful and the church of jesus christ is unstoppable and our relationship with jesus is beautiful and when we're connected to the head jesus and his body is connected to the head we become an unstoppable force for the kingdom of god But we can't do anything if we're not connected to the head. I want you to understand today that we can't fall into the same trap that the disciples were heading into where they were looking at the things that they were doing versus the one who was doing it through them. We can't stop short of anything. Anything that keeps us from worshiping God becomes an idol in our lives. We were not created to worship idols. We were created to worship a living God. That's what we were created to do. I believe that it hinders us the most, this trap of religion. When you think about it, what does a trap do? What's the purpose of a trap? You know, when I was young, I'm, I'm a bit of a redneck, just, just am, just, just a redneck. Um, when I was young, we would catch raccoons to train hunting dogs with, hunting dogs, excuse me. And we would catch them and listen, don't be like, oh poor raccoon, it was a live trap right? It was just a cage, something like you would use to catch cats at night that get in your garbage. If you did that kind of thing, I would never do that. But, um, if you did that kind of thing, and we can be honest about that too. We know that cats were made from the leftovers from dogs, right? If you cat person hate that, but, but that's the truth. And, and, and it just is reality. And we would catch them and the traps didn't hurt them. Usually the gunshot that came later, that would hurt, but the, the traps did not hurt the raccoons. And we would catch them, we use them to train dogs. But you know, you think about a trap. And when we would catch the raccoon, they were never happy. They were never like, I love this. This is awesome. I love being in this little cage. It just makes me feel so good. I have so much joy in my life right now. Never, they never did that. In fact, they were grumpy. They were very temperamental. They wanted to bite you. They were just angry. I thought, that's kind of like Christians. Right? I mean, sometimes we can just be angry. We can just be grumpy. People, typically, if you poll somebody who is not a Christian, you say, what do you think about Christians? Well, they're mad. They're judgmental. They hate homosexuals. You go through. No wonder nobody wants to be a Christian. They just don't. The reality of it is, it's because we fall into this trap. Listen, you never grow closer to Jesus and find less joy. Never. You never grow closer to Jesus and love his church less. Never. You never grow closer to Jesus and love other people less. You don't. He is the source of our joy. He is the source of our love. He and he alone. But if you think about it, what do traps do? One, they immobilize us. The church wasn't created or designed to be stagnant. The church was created to be a moving organism, a growing organism that's changing the world. But would you say that the church over the last several hundred years really has been stagnant or moving and shaping the world and shaping culture and shaping people's lives for the glory of God? Think about a trap, it ensnares us. Traps don't bring freedom, they bring bondage. Is your relationship with Jesus characterized more by bondage or freedom? Freedom. Is it characterized more by duty or worship? You think about traps, oftentimes they call pain, cause pain. Our church is typically known for hurting people or healing people. Unfortunately, many times, we're no more for the people we hurt than the people we see healed. The church was not designed to kill people. It was given to heal people with the good news of Jesus. Oftentimes, man, listen, These traps, they lead to death. You think about some of the traps that you see, I mean, that people use like rat trap, right? What's the purpose of a rat trap? Not to bring joy. And whoever designed the live trap, way to go. Like glue pad that they can just rip themselves apart on instead of just going ahead and doing the deal. You know what I'm saying? And and, and the reality of it is so many times, religion and what we call a relationship with Jesus Leads us to death rather than to life. But everywhere in Scripture, I see that the Bible tells us that it's not a relationship with God. A relationship with Christ takes us from death to life, not life to death. But people look at our lives so many times and they would say that we live contrary to that. I would say that it's because we're stuck in a religious trap, not because we're living out of a relationship with Jesus. I'd ask you this question Are you religious? are you living from a relationship with Jesus? I'm going to ask you some questions. Flip over to Matthew chapter 23. It's going to be fun. I want to point out to you some questions that I've had to wrestle with this week. And since I had to wrestle with them, now you get to wrestle with them. Before I step on toes, God steps on mine. Matthew chapter 23. This is probably not the most uplifting chapter of scripture. If you look at it, you may have a title at the beginning of chapter 23 that says the seven woes. Typically you hear seven woes and you don't think happy, happy, joy, joy. You know what I'm saying? Probably not that way. But I want to ask you some questions because my heart is that we would escape this trap of religion. And we would find ourselves in a relationship passionately pursuing Jesus. The first one comes out of Matthew chapter 23 verses one Seven. First question i want to ask you is are you more concerned with your presentation than his presence listen to these verses then jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples the teachers of the law and the pharisees sit in Moses' seat so you must do and obey them and do everything they tell you to do but do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. Are you more concerned with presentation than God's presence? Listen, that is the struggle that the Pharisees had. They could have given a rip about the presence of God, what they really wanted was for people to look at them and think, look at them. How many times do we walk into church on Sunday morning and all we do is put on a nice facade for people to see? But see, here's the deal. In a way, I don't don't blame us. In a way, and it's easy to shift responsibility, but this is what I would tell you. This is what we've been taught. This is what's been modeled for us is that church isn't a place to be real. Church is a place to come in, you put on your best clothes, you walk out the door, grab your best mask and you go to worship. And we walk in the door and granted we don't have time every Sunday morning to get into everybody's issues from the previous week but the reality of it is we walk in, how you doing? Man, I am blessed and highly favored by the most high God. And you just cuss your wife out You just beat your kids, work's going terrible, you're stressed to the max, but we walk in and we put on a facade that says everything is great. Why? We care much more about our appearance and about our presentation than we care about being in God's presence. We need to change that church. We need to get to a place where we understand that if I will become real with God, if I'll find some people in my life that I let down that mask, if I can come to a place, and listen church, if, if we can't be a place where people can be, it's okay not to be okay, we suck as a church. We, 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 we need to be better than that. We need to be a place where people know, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have issues. Because this is the thing I know, every person sitting in here this morning has issues, period. And God's working on all of us. He's changing all of our hearts. If we are in Christ and we are pursuing Christ, he's changing our hearts. Are we willing to become real? Are we willing to care more about being in God's presence than we care about what people think about us? Jesus gave them that warning in Luke 10, 17 through 21. He says, listen, guys, listen, understand this. What you do for me is not what gets your name written in heaven. I don't care if the demons obey you. But do you know me? Matthew chapter seven, Jesus gives the same warning. He says, listen, many will me, many will me, many will me, many will come to me on that day and they will say, Lord, Lord. But he looks at them and he says, get away from me. I don't know you. It doesn't say a handful. It says many will come. The question and what secures our salvation is not what have I done for God? He even references in Matthew 7, they say we've cast out demons, we prophesied. And Jesus says, I don't care what you've done for me. Do you know me? Do I know you? Did you live a life pursuing me because you know me? Because here's the reality. If we know him, we can't help but pursue him. We've tasted that the Lord is good. There's something in us that craves him more and more. I would ask you, is that you today, that you cleaned up pretty well on the outside, but on the inside, you are hollow. Are you pursuing Jesus? Has Jesus touched your heart and changed your life? Are you pursuing hard after him? At that same scripture, the second question I would ask you is, can you say, follow me as I follow Christ? In verse three, he said, don't do what they do, just do what they say, all right? Don't do what they do, just do what they say because they, they don't do what they say. Can we say, follow me, as I follow Christ and listen, nobody's perfect in here. The wrong thing to say would be, look at me, live like me because I have reached the climax of perfection and no one is as good as I am. No one's there. But what we can say is follow me as I follow Christ. I'm not talking about your perfect um, holiness. What I'm talking about is your passionate pursuit of Jesus. Can people look at our lives and and can, can we say, I'm pursuing Christ. Why don't you join me? Why don't you come with me? This is the greatest journey I've ever been on. Why don't you come with me? The third question I'd ask you is your life drawing people toward Jesus or hindering them from coming to him. Listen to verses 13 through 15. He says, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter nor you let those enter who are trying to is our life a life that's attractive to other people do people look at our lives and because of our pursuit of jesus they look at it and they go i'd kind of like to have what they have some of y'all been to parties and you've seen somebody like running around with a lampshade on their head like i want what they had whatever whatever that is you know what i'm saying but people would look at our lives and they would see the joy in our lives. And they would say, I want what they have. And then they see the pursuit of our lives is following Christ. And it's the number one thing that we're pursuing in our lives. And they want to join the journey. Is your life drawing people closer to Jesus or hindering them from coming to him? First Peter 3.15 says that we should be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. We should be ready to tell people why we have such great hope. Here's the thing that I would like to ask, is anybody asking us? Is anybody saying, would you explain the hope that you have? Or coming to us and wondering what's different about our lives, because this is the thing I know, the normal Christian life is different. It's changed. There's something different about our lives that make people want to have what we have fourth question i would ask you do you rationalize things to justify your behavior matthew 23 16 through 22 he says woe to you blind gods you say if anyone swears by the temple it means nothing but if anyone swears by the gold of the temple he is bound by his oath you blind fools which is greater the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift on the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, or the gift on the altar that that makes the gift sacred. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Now let's admit, that scripture is kind of confusing. Right? You kind of read it and you're like, altars, temple, I don't know. You know what I mean? But Here's the bottom line. These Pharisees, these leaders of the, of the Jews, these, these religious leaders, they had created different ways that they could avoid doing what God had asked them and commanded them to do. So that they could do what they wanted to do. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Like you can rationalize anything you want to, can't you? I'll go to my mom and dad's house. Every time I walk in, I know they got these little bitty snack size candy bars. Anybody else have that idol in your life? Yeah, I have to repent of that. But I walk in and I can always find a reason that it's okay for me to eat one or five. Because I walk in and I'm like, you know what, I really didn't eat much lunch today. I only had one cup of coffee i only did I, I ran three weeks ago <laughs> i can rationalize anything i can always find a reason to eat the candy bar and always find a reason not to exercise you ever notice that about your life because we can rationalize anything are we rationalizing behavior in our life or is jesus transforming our behavior But see, here's the problem in the church. Most of the time, the church preaches behavior modification rather than heart transformation. And the reason we do that is because we are afraid that God really won't change their lives. We really don't trust in the power of Jesus to do what he says he would do. So rather than us presenting them Christ, encouraging them to follow Jesus, we feel like we have to load them down with rules and laws and things they have to do, which does not lead them to joy. It only robs them of the abundant life that Jesus came to give them. Church, we need to trust that God will do everything he's promised to do. Our job is not to change people. Our job is to point them to the reality of Jesus. Number five, does Jesus have part of your life or your whole life? Matthew twenty-three twenty-three. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You have... You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Listen, Jesus goes to me, he's like, listen guys, you go to your garden and you take the smallest plants and you make sure you give a tenth of all you have to the temple. Basically, you go to your spice rack, you get a tent, and you take it to the temple. That's what he's saying. He's like, you do that, but then you neglect Love, you neglect justice, you neglect mercy, you neglect the very things that God is about. He's not saying don't tithe, we should tithe. In fact, if we're pursuing Christ, there'll be a point in our lives where we have to surrender our finances to him. But what he is saying is, listen, you're neglecting the important things. Again, you're doing things to be seen, but you're not really living the life of God. You're not pursuing him you're just doing the deeds you're just trying to present yourself to people in a good light i would say that for us we've got to come to a place where what god's doing inside of us is manifest on the outside of us that people do see that we love the lord that we walk humbly with him that we love him and that that love pours out of us into the world around us Does Jesus have all of your life? Have you compartmentalized him? Have you given him a part? What are you holding back from him? Listen to me. Listen, what is it today that you're holding on to that you refuse to give to God because at the core of it, you don't believe that if I trust God with this, it'll be best for me. The reason we compartmentalize him is because we believe we can do a better job than he can. He didn't die to have an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. He died for us to be reconciled to the Father so that we could be consumed by the holy fire, which is God, and we could live a life for him. Does he have your whole life, or does he just have part of it? Number six, have you worked harder on the inside than the outside? Listen to these verses. Matthew 23, 25 to 26. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will be clean also. Have you worked harder on the, in, on the outside than on the inside? Have you clung to religion? Have you, have you tried to clean yourself up? Have you tried to make yourself presentable, but on the inside, it's still dirty, it's still filthy? The Bible tells us that our salvation, and we should work it out with fear and trembling. It says salvation is worked out. We don't work our salvation in. You can't. You can't do enough good to be saved. But when you come to Christ and you say, God, I am a jacked up mess that he comes into your life. He cleans you by his perfection, not your own. He did the work for you on the cross. He gives you righteousness and he says, now that you're righteous, I will inhabit you and I will work my character and my holiness out of you from the inside out. Too many of us are trying to work from the outside in. It doesn't work like that. Are you working harder on the outside? So listen, who are we trying to please? Who are we trying to fool? So many of us were surrounded by Christian friends, and we think, well, if I really act like I really want to act, then they're going to really think like that's a pagan. Who cares? Are we more interested in in, in pleasing the people inside these walls? Are we more interested in showing the reality of Jesus to those outside the walls? Who gives a rip? Who really cares? If God's for you, who gives a crap, who's against you? Who cares? Don't live your life to try to please religious people. You can't do a work for God and please religious people. Case in point, Jesus. He lived for God. He ticked off every religious person there was. But because of him, we are saved. Those of us who put our faith in him, we are going to heaven. We're going to spend eternity with him. Our sins have been forgiven. I don't care what anybody else thinks. Live for him. Just live for him. That's all it is. Pursue the one that paid the price for you. The last one, number seven, are you more alive on the outside than on the inside? I mean, honestly, are you more alive on the outside than you are on the inside? Listen to these scriptures in verse 27 through 28. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're white, like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones. And everything unclean. In the same way on the outside you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Are you more alive on the outside or on the inside? Is Jesus' life working its way out of you? Listen, so many of us are like these whitewashed tombs. In fact, I would say that as a whole the church is guilty of being more like whitewashed tombs. That on the outside we look great. But on the inside we're dead. Just dead bones. Are you alive? Are you, are you living? Or are you just existing? Jesus didn't come so you could exist. He came so that you could live. But we only find that in him. Not through going through religious motions. It is in him and in a pursuit of him. And my prayer is that your eyes and your heart would be open to this. This is what I know. I know some of you in here today, you are looking for an exit. You are looking for an escape because in truth and in reality, you're dead on the inside. So we go to alcohol, we go to drugs, we go to pornography, we go to adultery, we go to anything that we think can give us an escape. Some of us go to sleep, some of us go eat, some of us do different things, but they all boil down to this, an escape from reality because we aren't recognizing the greatest reality, Jesus and his love for us in this world. Some people today in a crowd this size have even contemplated exiting through suicide because you feel so hollow and empty on the inside and I want to tell you there is one who offers you abundant life today you can heal your heart heal your soul and give you life but it won't be found going through religious motions it's found when you surrender yourself to Christ and you pursue Jesus the one who gives life with everything that you have You cannot find it through your own work or through your own effort. It's only found in Jesus. There was one Pharisee that escaped this trap. Before he came to know Christ, he was called Saul after his conversion on the Damascus Road. Uh, when he saw Jesus, the resurrected Christ, knocked him on his face, blinded him. After he saw Jesus, he escaped the trap of religion. He became known as Paul. He ended up writing most of the books of the New Testament. He, he became the greatest missionary that's ever walked the face of the earth. He, he became a man who was heart and soul pursuing Christ, pursuing God. And God did incredible and magnificent things through Him. He threw away all of the religious stuff. If you go read uh, Philippians chapter three, you'll find that he was zealous for the Lord. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. God had done, you know, he was doing incredible things for God, but God had not done anything inside of him. The thing that we've got to get to today is the question of, has God done anything in me? And how can I escape this trap of religion? How do I get past this trap of religion? I'm going to give you some real quick things out of Galatians because I want you to walk out of here understanding a couple of things before we go. Listen, Galatians chapter 2. How do we escape this trap of religion? Verse 20. The Bible says in Galatians 2 verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Paul, the one who escaped this religious trap, who encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, is pinning this letter to the Galatians because they've fallen into the religious trap. In these first two verses, I want you to understand the first thing I want you to understand about escaping this religious trap is that we have to come to a biblical understanding of the gospel. A biblical understanding of the gospel. Paul said very clearly, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. He said, I don't set aside God's grace. This was a man who was, according to the, the Pharisaical law, that was 630 laws or 613 laws, there's a bunch of them. He was perfect by his own account. He's like, I did it all. And he said, I don't set aside the grace of God because if righteousness could be attained apart from Jesus, then he would not have had to die but the reality and the truth of it is that it cannot. And so Paul knew, I can't set aside God's grace, his unmerited favor, his unconditional love, because apart from it, I am doomed. And apart from it, you and I are doomed. But because of God's grace, we can have life. Because of God's grace, we can be set free from sin and from death. But to think that we can do anything, It's to make a mockery of the cross. I want you to understand that the gospel, a biblical understanding of the gospel, is not about what you can do. It's about what Jesus has done. It was all done on the cross. And we take hold of it by faith. Faith is not simply believing in something. Faith is taking hold of something. It's seeing the reality of our need for Jesus and grabbing hold hold the second one out of galatians 2 20 he says i've been crucified with christ i no longer live number two get out of this trap just embrace its simplicity embrace the simplicity paul says listen i'm just a dead man at this point i've got breath but i died that old paul he died saul he's gone now i'm paul And I'm dead. And the only way I live is in my pursuit and passion for Jesus. That's it. What can a dead man do? What can a dead man do? Nothing. You ever been to a funeral and see the dead person do anything? No. They just lay there with bad makeup. That's all they can do. Dead man can't do anything. Neither can we. All we can do is grab hold by faith, trust in the offer that Jesus has given us. Don't complicate this gospel. It is simple. God knows we're not that smart. Look around you. Look to your left and right. And now you can say amen. amen. You're next to your husband, you can say amen. God knows we're not that smart. He made it simple. He said, trust me, follow me, keep your eyes on me. I'll give you passion. I'll give you a desire for my word. And sometimes you just got to open the word. He's like, listen, I'll make it come alive. Pursue me. Don't get caught up in the religious trap. Pursue me. Come after me with all you have and simply embrace the simplicity of the gospel. Number three out of Galatians 3, 1 through 4. Don't dress it up. Paul says, you foolish Galatians. Galatians. How is it that you started in the Spirit and now you're going to make yourself righteous through the law? Didn't you try that before? It didn't work. You can't make yourself righteous. Understand that you cannot make yourself righteous. You cannot dress up the gospel. We can't add anything to the gospel. Nothing. It is faith in Christ alone. Our salvation is by faith in His grace alone. We can't add anything to it. But the reality of it is when we take hold, when we receive it, he changes our hearts so that we are different. The normal Christian life is a life that is pursuing Jesus and is being changed. That is the normal life. But we can't do it on our own. We can't dress it up. At the end of the day, the gospel is still about a gruesome death on a wooden cross where blood was shed so that we could be set free. It is that simple. That simple. We can't dress it up. I wonder how many people in here today, maybe there's some women here today, that you're hiding behind makeup, but on the inside, you're dying. You got relationships that aren't right. There's things in your life that aren't right. You're running on about empty with self-esteem. You're trying to hide it. But the reality of it is, it's killing you i would tell you this that jesus today can give us life as we lay that at his feet as we trust him with our hearts he will take care of us he'll give us life i wonder how many guys in here are struggling because they're pursuing position and they're pursuing power they're pursuing other things somebody's probably in here pursuing adultery pursuing an improper relationship because you think it's going to bring you life it's not You keep clicking the mouse because you think pornography is going to somehow awaken you to life. Let me ask you, how's that working for you? The only one who gives life is Jesus. At the end of the day, it's Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. Tomorrow, it will be about Jesus. Are you pursuing Jesus? Are you playing a religious game? The last one, Galatians 3, 5. Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? The last one I would tell you is trust the power of God's grace. His grace is sufficient. His grace will work mightily in you. Religious Religion will give us this hope that it can do something for us, but in the end, it leads to frustration. God's grace is the power of God to set us free to live for Him. And Paul says, listen, was miracle were miracles done among you by the power of the Spirit or because you obeyed the law? Of course, the answer is by the power of the Spirit. And his point is, why are you going back to something that is dead and can do nothing in your life? When in reality, the Spirit of God the only thing that's able to empower us to overcome sin to overcome death what are we trusting in are we trusting are we truly trusting in christ i was thinking about this this week you know it's awesome jesus healed blind eyes is that a miracle yes jesus made lame people walk is that a miracle yes jesus did all kind of healings of diseases is that a miracle yes But I would tell you this, I believe the greatest miracle is God being able to take a selfish human being and give them love for somebody else. The greatest miracle is that God can take a dead person like you and like I and give us life through his spirit so that we find new life in him. That's the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is the resurrection of dead people. And if you are in Christ and that's what you experience and that raises us up to worship, that raises us up to gratitude, that keeps us from living in condemnation because we recognize that Jesus has bridged the gap between us and God and it causes us to well up in worship and praise of our Savior and in pursuit of Him, not in pursuit of relationships. This is what... I, I don't have to be a prophet to know this. I don't have to take a poll to know this. I know this simply... Because there's probably 700 people in here right now. There are a lot of people in here. Who are caught in a trap of religion. There's no joy in your life. And you're doing the right things. But you're existing not living. Jesus promised in John 10.10. That he he came to give us life. And give it abundantly. Abundantly. My question is what's holding you back from experiencing that don't let religion don't listen it doesn't matter how many sunday schools you've been to it doesn't matter how many worship services you've been to how many connect groups you've been to who or what are you pursuing because if it is not jesus it is empty and hollow and will leave you the same way everybody in here you're in one of three places Number one, you're pursuing Christ. And your life is filled with joy. It's filled with passion for Him. You're running after Him. And your eyes are fixed on Christ, and that's who you're pursuing. And that is awesome. My encouragement to you is don't take your eyes off Jesus. There are other people in here today, you're dying. You are absolutely dying. And it's because you have pursued religion. And your Bible reading has become about just doing what you feel like you have to do so you don't feel guilty. Your prayer life has become superstitious, hoping that nothing bad will happen. Listen, if you're in a small group, your connect group or whatever it may be, listen, just do it because you got to. Are you pursuing Christ? That's why we do these. It's pursuit. It's chasing after Him. It's like courting your wife or being passionate pursuit of your husband. The same pursuit that Jesus has for us. Are you pursuing Him? Because this is why I can tell you, if there's no joy, it's not because you're in a relationship with Christ. It's because somewhere we've allowed religion to come in rather than a pursuit in a relationship with Jesus The third place. There's some of you here today. But you're dead. You're not dying. You're dead. And the reason you're dead is because you've never been made alive in Christ. You never trusted him with your life. You've never made it about a relationship with Jesus. It's always just been church. Maybe some of you have never been in church. Perhaps maybe this is the first time you've ever really even heard about Jesus and his love for you. Understand this, that God wants to make you alive. God desires to take you from death to life. You can do nothing to earn it. If it was up to us, we'd all be doomed to hell. Listen, we can't do anything to earn righteousness. It's given by God through our faith. Some of us are dead because we've never pursued Christ. Some of us have been in church all of our lives, and yet if we were honest, with ourselves, we would say we've never really known him. I wonder which place you're in. It's easy to slide from one to two. And sometimes it's hard to take the step to go from three to two or three to one. But today you have that opportunity. And we're going to close the service today, but I'm just going to ask you. Point blank lights up everybody looking around in front of the church can we be honest this morning and say that you find yourself in number two or number three either you're dying or you're dead but today by faith you've been drawn close to the lord and by faith you want to take hold of his promise you today we want to pray with you i'm gonna ask you right where you are right where you sit not to hesitate I want you to stand up, stand to your feet. You know, just listen, in faith, saying, God, I want you to do a work in my life. I'm tired of playing religious games. What I really need is you. Just you stand to your feet and say, I need Jesus today. We want to pray for you passionately. We, we, want, we want you to have a passionate pursuit of the Lord. Stand to your feet. Praise God, somebody. Did. You know, here's the deal, guys. It's twelve oh six. I'm going to press on this just a little bit harder. right now you need to be rebuked because the reality is you know that you ought to be on your feet right now saying God I need you I don't care what the people think about me I don't care what they think I need you if we are not willing to proclaim that in this building how in the heck will we ever proclaim it out there so here it goes stand to your feet if you thank you amen God didn't kill anybody in fact I believe it'll bring you life isn't this is what I'm going to ask you to do listen just right now just go just walk out the back doors listen the people that you're with they'll they they will find you we're not going to take you away from here but I'm going to ask you right now just go just walk out there there are people who are going to pray with you there are people who are going to minister to you who want to just pray with you let them pray for you And trust and pursue Christ. Just walk out there. People are going to pray. I promise you, it'll be worth your time. Some of our prayer folks, maybe you you weren't on duty today. Will you go out there and pray pray for them? Help pray for those guys and girls. Praise God. team just had a no crap moment well let's pray guys listen we love you and i just want us to passionately pursue jesus that's where it's at that's where the power for a life that honor god honors god comes from let's pray lord thank you so much for today and the life you give us thank you for your love for us thank you god that you speak to our hearts be a very real god lord to us let us hear your voice let us experience your touch as we pursue you thank you that you're faithful to do everything god that you promise pray that you'll be our heart's desire in jesus name amen amen guys have an awesome week Um, hope to see you back here this week let's pursue jesus with everything we have